It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Game week almost here. Gabe DeArmond, Brian Austin will be along in a minute, and we are going to bring in Barrett Salee, national college football writer uh, with an emphasis on the SEC for CBSSports.com. First off, want to... Ask you the last three letters of your name, R-L-E-E. So how many assignments have you been pulled from this week? <laughs> uh, no assignments have been pulled uh, yet. Uh, but, you know, I am not calling a Virginia game. But, yeah, uh, yeah what a uh, what a crazy th- – here's the thing. Like, I think ESPN put way too much uh, emphasis and put way too much thought into how many people would actually watch a Virginia game to begin with. Like, <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. And here's the thing, like, okay, if they're going to have, like, some ceremony to honor the victim or victims or whatever, okay, fine. But none of those people are actually watching the play-by-play of the actual game. They'll just go watch the highlights yeah. anyway. And, and I mean, I, I don't know about you, but unless they're just awful, I don't. there's no way I would have known, hey, that guy's named Robert Lee that's calling this game. I don't know who he is. I never would have thought about it. That it would have been spotted like what the before the game, maybe once after the first quarter and at halftime, and and that's about it. Like I, yeah. at the the fifteen people that were watching on ESPN three would have been like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Exactly. All right, so let's get into into the good stuff. And and I promise this was not clickbait. This was pure coincidence. I uh, I asked Barrett if he'd be on the podcast on Monday. His SEC predictions hit Twitter on Tuesday, and we'll just get right to the stuff that our listeners are going to care about. Uh, Missouri 0-8. Look, it's not outrageous. I mean, they were they were 4-8 last year. There are plenty of questions about this team. I mean, I understand why Missouri fans are optimistic, but I understand why people outside of Missouri are uh, not too high on this team. Yeah, that's, uh, that's called synergy, that timing. Uh, no, I mean, I, Missouri, to me, is, is, has lost its identity. And its identity was as D-line zoo and, and bringing pressure. And, you know, Barry Odom, for a lot of different reasons, I think last year, uh, went away from that identity, some by accident, some by purpose, some by, you know, gross mismanagement of, of what responsibilities of a head coach are and should be. And, and I think all of that together – makes me sort of look at Missouri and say, okay, um, why, why should I trust you? Like, right. why, why should I trust that team? And, and the, there is no answer to that, to be honest with you. You know, I think certainly they've got a great offense, and, and that's great, but, um, you know, are, are you going to have success offensively against a lot of your di- uh, division mates, m- many of whom play pretty good defense? I think the answer is probably no. So, um, you know, that's, that's all it was. Uh, you know, I think Missouri is – um, again, they're, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be fun offensively. Um, and, and that is is and was the case last year, too. And it didn't matter, and I don't think it's going to matter this year. Well, and, and I always try to explain to fans whether the preseason predictions are good, bad, or indifferent. I, I mean, I don't even think most of us who do preseason predictions don't really like to do them because we don't know. Uh, all you do is set yourself up, and I know that you're one of the guys that kind of points out what you screw up at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, all you do is set yourself up to take grief. But when you're doing preseason predictions, everybody looks at it and says, okay, what are the safe picks largely? The safe pick is clearly to pick Missouri last in this division. I mean, the controversial pick would be to pick them to win seven or eight games. 
Yeah, um, you know, and, and I kind of try to blend it. Man, look, I just try to be honest. And, and right. really when it comes to those predictions, I, I don't have any preconceived notions. Like, of course, I have ideas on what teams might look like. But um, when, I, when I put together that, that season by season or game by game, you know, win-loss prediction, which is what I do, and I, you can see it, it's attached to the link on, on CBS Sports and the Twitter. I have, right. you know, the, the win-loss projection for every single team and every single game so far this year. I don't know who's going to win the division. I don't know who – you know what the match is going to come out to, but um, or what anybody's record is going to be, right. and it just so happens that Missouri's was not that good. But you know, again, these are predictions, and they're supposed to be fun, and and we're all going to be wrong a lot of of times. Um, and if we if that wasn't the case, I guarantee you, Gabe, I would not be talking to you. I'd be in <laughs> Vegas with my staff and having them serve me whatever I wanted. I mean, you could come exactly. to my penthouse pool if you wanted, but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so you know, I had a guy yep. on Twitter today. So literally mad that I picked Kansas State and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game and not Oklahoma, even though I have Oklahoma and Kansas State tied and, and Oklahoma losing the head-to-head head, uh, head battle. But he was like, would you stake your family, your livelihood again on this pick? I'm like, no. <laughs> more I would Sorry, honey. Sorry, right. kids. I got to leave the house. I got to get a divorce. I, I messed up a Big 12 pick. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, – well, and, and look, when you cover uh, – like, whether you cover a conference or whether you're a national guy, whatever, like, the only thing we know is that you hate every team. Like, if it's my team, you hate them. All the national guys hate my team. Yeah, well, you know, always. Because, well, and the, thing, the truth of the matter is, like, honestly, like, I, I don't – none of us care. Like, right. if, if I'm going to bank – okay, like, if I'm going to make a prediction or make a guess of, of – of a game or a team or whatever based on, you know, a coach I like, a place I went to school, uh, friends that have been there, times I've partied at all these cool bars at that city. Like, who would do that? Like, right. why would you Why would you care about that? If, if um, You know, so that, that always is hilarious to me because, you know, really all that does is if someone comes back and says, well, you just hate my team or you just love this team or you're a homer or you're a hater, all that is, is doing is confirming in my mind that the reader or the consumer literally has no other option, no other leg to stand on, because that's the best argument he can come up with, and that's not a very good one. Right. In in, in the media, if half the people think you're doing a, a good job and half the people hate you, then, you know, or half the people think you're too hard and half the people think you're too easy, you're probably right. Uh, one more on Missouri before we get to just kind of general SEC stuff. And you mentioned uh, a minute ago, you know, mismanagement by Barry Odom. And I think everybody who watched this team, look, he had a, a bad first year as head coach. Barry Odom would say he had a bad first year as head sure. coach. So how often, I, I mean, I've said, I think head head football coach at this level is a job that you don't really understand until you get it. I mean, you can think you understand it, but it, then you have all the booster clubs you have to go to. You have all the radio interviews you have to do, all that other stuff. And it kind of overwhelmed him in year one. So for a Missouri fan looking for hope, how often do you see a guy get off to a, a really bad start and then, you know, become a pretty good coach? I think you see it a lot. I think, unfortunately, a, a lot of coaches don't get that chance uh, because you get sort of branded as whatever your first job's record is, that the one that you got fired from. And, and it's really hard. It's really hard to be a first-year head coach, a first-time head coach. And really, I mean, it doesn't really click always in year two either. I had a conversation with Derek Mason um, about a week and a half ago at Vanderbilt, uh, and he said it took him about till midway through last year for him to sort of understand everything. And this is Derek Mason who, you know, he had a, a really long and successful career 
under you know uh, under a bunch of guys at Stanford, you know. So right. um, and, and in terms of organizational structure, I don't know if there's anybody better than David Shaw at Stanford. And yet, not, you know, it it you think it rubs off on you, but it doesn't. So um, you know, it, it is hard, and I think Barry Odom would has and, and will tell you that when asked. And and so you know, I, I think. This year, you have to see signs of life. I, I think the biggest thing with Missouri is that, look, I mean, while the, the back-to-back East championships were great, those were extremely talented teams, senior-laden teams that had, I think, really strong structural leadership from the head coach through the locker room and all, all the way down. Mm-hmm. And when Barry Odom got there, you look at that last year's roster, there were some seniors, but it wasn't that, it wasn't that experienced. You had, you know, tumultuous uh, coaching turnover. You had everything that's going on on campus. I mean, they were dealing with a lot of stuff, and a lot of that stuff has changed, but, you know, it still takes some time. So uh, Missouri fans, I think, should be patient with Barry Odom. As long as he makes the right decisions in terms of how he structures his defense, how he structures his organization, he might be a good head coach. But, again, it's not something that happens in one year, and it's really not something that happens in two years. And I think uh, look, look for uh, Will Muschamp for an example. Right. I think Will Muschamp is actually a really good head football coach. Um, and, and you go back and look at his four today, you know, the fourth year, the last year he was there, he made the right decisions. He went up tempo. He abandoned his principles. He adjusted. But they didn't have the quarterback, and everything fell apart, and he got fired. I think he's doing everything right at South Carolina. But, again, he's branded in a way that is, you know, detrimental to his future earnings potential and future job openings whenever they come up. That's why – you know, I think people were surprised that he got the South Carolina job to begin with, which is really unfair to guys who take the risk and become, you know, first-time head coaches in the SEC. All right, we're talking to Barrett Salee, CBS Sports. We're going to spend about uh, 10 minutes before you got to get out of here just on SEC stuff. And, you know, it kind of uh, dovetailing into this, it's funny how a head coach gets better when he has a quarterback. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy, right? Your picks in the East, uh, you've got Georgia winning it at 11-1. and And, look, when I look at the SEC East, First of all, I think I saw Jacob Eason at his best last year in Columbia. I think that yeah. kid has a chance to be really good. So that's a good reason to pick him. But there's only one reason not to pick Georgia to me in this division. And it's not really a reason because the only reason is Georgia just kind of has this history of always manning, managing to trip up somewhere and lose the division. But I don't even think it's close that they're the most talented team in this division. No, it's not close. I mean, I think Florida from a roster talent perspective is – is in the same ballpark and vicinity, but a lot of it's young. And, and whereas Georgia, a lot of it's old. And, and I think that's a testament to the way Mark Rick recruited the last couple of years. He was there and really Kirby smart, not missing a beat at all. In fact, probably uh, accelerating things from the moment he got that job. So, yeah, I mean, Georgia, you, you did see the best Jacob Easton. And, and I think you all saw, and, and Missouri fans will remember there aren't many quarterbacks that make that game-winning touchdown throw. I mean, yeah. they're just they're, that doesn't happen. So, um, you know, he he obviously had some issues his first year, but a lot of that I think was tra- traced back to the offensive line just really never letting him down. And, and they're going up against defensive fronts that were freak shows basically across the board. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Georgia a lot. I think their their offensive line is in a much better spot now. I think they're way more confident in it. And then from an offensive uh, weapons perspective. They're going to use Sonny Michelle as a receiver. They're going to use Isaac now in a bunch of different ways. I think they've got a lot of talented wide receivers. There's not a true number one, but there's like 10 number twos, and a lot of them are different kind of guys, which means there's probably a number one every week based on matchup, which is really all you need anyway. 
Um, and the biggest thing for me is look at the landscape. Like, look at where they are. They're in a, a division that's offensively challenged, and Georgia's defense returns 10 guys and is really good. Uh, what are they going to actually ask the offense to do on a weekly basis? I, I don't think it's going to be asked to do an awful lot. So because of that, I think um, they'll walk into Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in December with a chance to uh, win the SEC and earn a playoff spot, and we'll see if it happens. Moving to the West, uh, it, it looks like you got Auburn ahead of Alabama. I know uh, it seems to come down to those two teams a lot in the last few years. What, what is it about Auburn that you think they have a chance to, to move ahead of Alabama this year? Well, I mean, I think getting Alabama at home helps, but uh, more than anything else, I think Auburn, the changes they made from an offensive coordinator standpoint and getting Jared Stidham uh, really bring multiplicity to that offense, and that's really all it needs. It doesn't necessarily need a dual-threat quarterback. It just needs multiplicity. And, you know, I think that the secret about Auburn that people don't want to talk about is that Gus Malzahn was so stubborn the last couple of years that he ran basically a, a called option offense. So, like, there was actually no – you know, run pass option on plays. It was it was a called play from the from the sideline. Same thing with zone reads. You go back and watch Auburn's zone read running plays. They're not reads. They're strict handoffs, and they're called by the sideline. I think now, if Chip uh, Lindsey does take his uh, take control, when it looks like he will, you're going to see real zone reads from a quarterback in Jarrett Stidham who knows how to make those decisions. You're going to see real run pass options from a quarterback in Jarrett Stidham who literally that's how he grew up. Like he ran that exact offense. Uh, even dating back to middle school. And then a guy in Jared Sidham who, you know, not only opens up the middle of the field in the passing game, uh, but also is, is accurate deep down field and gets guys open with his eyes. All of those things were, were not present last year for Auburn. And yet they still were in the playoff mix into mid-November. So, um, you know, and, and you know they can run the football with what they've got. So I just think all those things together are going to, um, you know, make for a really, really good football team this year. And last year, I think Alabama, even though they were great and, and rolled through the season, I get that, but um, they, were, they were flawed just like everybody else. They just hid their flaws a little bit better. I don't necessarily think they'll be able to do that this year. All right, so uh, give me a, a, a team in each division that, like, hey, it wouldn't shock you if they're a lot better than people think, and then give me the team in each division that might be looking for a new head coach at the end of the year. Uh, well, the and, and, and Hugh the Freeze took care of one of them for you, but <laughs> well, the answer for the West might be the same team, Texas A&M, um, yeah. because uh, I think they're going to be nine and three. I think they're a pretty good team. I think they'll be a lot of fun to watch defensively because they're going to be really, really aggressive. They're going to take a ton of risks. They're going to basically let loose, let it all hang out uh, defensively because I don't think they trust their offense all that much. Um, so they're going to want to you know try to force turnovers and force the issue with uh, with some guys uh, defensively. So. Um, I think it'll pay off some, and, and really how much it pays off directly will tie into the second part of the question of Kevin Sumlin gets fired. Or not. Right. So, um, you know, so I think that'll be, that'll be a, um, you know, a, a very fun team to watch this year for every single possible reason you can think of. And in the East, I think South Carolina is, is a five-and-three type team in the conference, and if it's the right five and the right three, who knows what that means in terms of the East. Um, and Tennessee, I just I don't see it. Not with that schedule. That schedule is way too tough. Yep. Um, I, I don't trust offensively. You know everything that they've got. Uh, most specifically, I don't see a go-to receiver uh, that they trust besides Juwan Jennings. And I'm not really sure how much they trust Juwan Jennings at this point. Um, and then defensively, show me show me the stars that you you signed that were supposed to be superstars because Khalil McKenzie's not. Shai Tuttle's not. Now he's been hurt, but that's you know still part of it. And 
you know, these guys have to step up. They got to be better. And uh, I just don't see it. I think uh, Tennessee's a, a seven and five, eight and four team at best. And um, yeah, that's, that's probably not going to fly on Rocky Cup. Clearly, you don't put a lot of stock in five star hearts, Barrett. Well, five star hearts are important. It's important. <laughs> it's important to be have, have that positivity, but uh, it's a little more important to win football games. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when your preseason predictions all pan out and Georgia's playing Auburn in the championship game, how how do you see that game going? Uh, I think Georgia would win that game. I think they'll lose it in the regular season, but win it in in Atlanta. Um, really, I mean, I think it's again. I think Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn are all three playoff-worthy teams. I mean, I think they're all going to be at that level. Obviously, you know, they're going to knock each other off a little bit. But um, I think Kirby Smart's going to evolve as a head coach in year two. And, and having that taste in the mouth from losing uh, the regular season game, uh, he'll, he'll make the proper adjustments and, uh, and come out firing in, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But, again, I, you know, I could see I – could, I, I could make a case for Alabama, Auburn, or uh, Georgia winning the SEC this year. Um, I just think Georgia and Auburn are going to get there, and Georgia's going to get it done. So you've, you've obviously got probably Georgia as one of your uh, playoff predictions. Based on the fact you've got Florida State beating Alabama and Florida, I assume Florida State you think will be there. Who are the who are the others you see down the road, you know, uh, as far as way too early silly predictions that uh, they can only come back to bite you? Actually, I've got Florida State out. I've got Clemson winning the AC. Okay. I've got Florida State losing to Clemson and then losing to NC State because, uh, you know, NC State's defensive line is really good. Uh, so I've got Clemson out of the ACC. I've got Penn State out of the Big Ten. I think they're by far the best team right now on paper, and I think that'll translate to uh, success, especially since they're being sort of overlooked again. Uh, and then USC. Um, I think USC is, is good, not great, but I don't necessarily love the rest of that division outside of Utah. So I think their um, their schedule is going to be a little bit easier in terms of getting to that point. Um, now they're going to have to win a Pac-12 title game over you know Washington or Stanford or whoever. But tell you what, I mean, I, I think Pac-12, you know, USC is great out of at the South, but and I like Utah, but I would not sleep on Stanford either. I mean, I think Stanford probably beats USC in, in week three or week two and or week three. Um, and then they play again in Santa Clara for the Pac-12 title with a playoff spot on line. Uh, last thing for me, just uh, I know Lamar Jackson's coming back as the Heisman winner from Louisville. Do you see him repeating, or is there someone else you see emerging to, to take that? I know Saquon Barkley is a guy that a lot of people are talking about. Um, anybody standing out in your mind? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's unfair to Lamar, but, I mean, repeat's hard to do. I mean, you hold mm-hmm. them, vote. I don't, I don't hold, hold them to a different bar as a voter, but I know a lot of people do, whether they do it on purpose or not. Um, plus, he doesn't have an offensive line. So, um, yeah. hey, that just <laughs> means he can run more. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, Sam Darnold is is going to be in that mix. I wouldn't be surprised if Trace McSorley does, but he's fighting with his teammate Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley for for, uh, for votes, and that's unfair because I, mean, I think Saquon Barkley is the best player in the country, uh, mm-hmm. but he's a running back, and is, even though Derrick Henry won it a couple years ago, it's it's still basically a quarterback award. So uh, he'll be in that mix. It wouldn't surprise me uh, at all if, if Jacob Ethan, Jalen Hurts, Jarrett Stidham from the SEC, uh, all three of those guys, uh, you know, start making cases for it. Uh, if, if Ohio State comes through, JT Barrett, if, they, if he comes a better passer mm-hmm. with Kevin Wilson calling the shots then, I could see that happening. So I, my, I, I had uh, Todd Furman on my podcast, and Todd used to run odds at Caesars and mm-hmm. is, is really in, in tune. And he just said, yeah, none of y'all ever pick a running back to win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's it's not good value. It's not a good idea. 
and he's like, don't even pick the favorites if you want value. You know, go a little farther down to guys like Stidham or or, or Hurts or people like that. But um, it's it's still a quarterback-driven award, and I would imagine um, one of those guys for some of those playoff teams will be will be in the mix. All right, Barrett, I know you have dad duty, so I just want to kind of give you a chance. I know you've moved around a little bit here lately. Give everybody, uh, let everybody know, A, where they can find you and uh, B, about your podcast, which uh, I know SEC fans uh, enjoy every week. Yeah, CBSSports.com, you know, covering national college football with an emphasis on the SEC, so kind of like what it was uh, at BR before the layoffs, um, you know, and and before they stopped covering college football on a daily (laughs) daily basis. But, um, you know, uh, mostly SEC, emphasis on, on SEC, but national stuff as well, video as well at CBSSports.com. SEC Smothered and Covers now twice a week, uh, Monday mornings and Thursday mornings, uh, about 30-ish minutes. Uh, and then we're having another podcast with me and my former colleague, Adam Kramer, uh, more, more fun college football stuff, not necessarily football football stuff, uh, debuting in the near future as well. So all that stuff happening and um, trying to, uh, trying to uh, make a living while uh, – Hanging out in gym shorts in my basement like all of us dream. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's the best job in the world. Appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll see you somewhere along the line because that would mean for us Missouri actually plays a meaningful football game. If, if y'all if y'all make it to Atlanta, I guarantee you're going to like that stadium. I, I can 100% and, guarantee you. And Chick-fil-A's even going to be open that day. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but I, If you go to Chick-fil-A with some of the other restaurants they've got in that place, uh, you're doing it wrong because, man, there, there is some – there's some there's some good eating there. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Barrett. Have a good thanks, one, Barrett. man. All right, thanks. Barrett Salee, CBSSports.com. Uh, it, it, look, he like he, he, as I said at the beginning, complete luck. Like I asked him to be on, and then the next day he picked Missouri 0 and 8. This was not planned, right. as he said. It was synergy. But I mean, we talked about uh, at the beginning. Like, hey, it, it's not completely unreasonable. Like, I think Missouri might be favored against South Carolina, maybe, mm-hmm. and they might be favored at the end against Arkansas, maybe. That's probably it Not as Vanderbilt far as SEC or... games. I mean, Vanderbilt's there. I think Vanderbilt's Kentucky's a pretty good there. team. Kentucky's there. You know, I, I mean, just if you go game by game, like, it's not I, – I don't think Missouri's going 0-8. But it's not like this right. completely out there pick. It's not like the worst prediction ever in the history of college football right. By, right. by even a long shot. It's not even close. So speaking of predictions that are going to go wrong, like you have no idea we're doing this. I had no idea we were doing this <laughs> till like 10 minutes ago. I just kind of figured this would be kind of a good way to wrap up. This is our last like non-game week podcast. Next right. week we, we do have it lined up. We're going to have Dave Steckel on the podcast. Uh, we'll record that a little bit earlier next week, uh, but probably still put it out on Thursday because that's what everybody's used to. Um, but let, we might as well run through SEC predictions. I mean, in the West, to me, and look, we haven't done game by game like Barrett did, mm-hmm. which is the way to do it because it's real neat to say this team's going 12-0 and and this team's going 10-2 and and this team's going 4-8. and If none of it but, matches up. But right, yeah. it may not match up. Everyone's, I mean, everybody yeah. can't be 9-3. and three. You know, that right. doesn't work. Um, but, I mean, I look at it I, I look at it kind of like I used to look at Big 12 basketball. Until Alabama doesn't win it, I'm picking Alabama to win it. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. I mean, they're just – Coach Saban has that program running at such a high level. Uh, Auburn's got a lot of talent. I, they're, I mean, it, that in-state game is always tough, obviously, and I, it's at Auburn this year. But it's just – it is. It's hard to pick against Saban and Alabama right now. I, Auburn is so weird. Every time they're supposed to be good, right. they're trash. And every time they're supposed to be trash, they go to the national title game. Yeah, it, it's – I. 
it's tough to put a finger on them, but I don't. It, those are I'll clearly the top two yeah. teams in the West, though. I think you don't think there's any chance that I, there's some upstart coming out of. I mean, I mean, LSU, I think LSU I could. It, LSU, yeah, LSU's never a dark horse. I think you have to pick them third. Texas that, A&M couldn't do anything crazy. I, I mean, they never, look, they haven't. I say every single year, if you would let me buy Texas A&M in August for what I think they're worth, <laughs> and sell them for what the country thinks they're worth, like I could retire. Right? They're the most overrated team in America. Every single year, no matter who the coach is, no matter who they had, they had the one year with Manziel. Right. And, and, and look, Johnny Manziel ain't walking through that door. No. I, like I don't know who. I honestly, I don't know who their yeah, quarterback Calibari is. Left. He's but, at Oklahoma now. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not. It, it's not Johnny Manziel. I, I just like Barrett was talking about. They're either going to surprise or someone's going to get fired. Right. I think it's much more likely someone gets fired because if you go six and six in College Station, like they don't want you. It's I mean, not good Gary there. Pinkle alone got two guys fired at Texas A&M. <laughs> right. Uh, on go. the east side, though, I mean, I'm with you. Georgia just – you just don't have any faith in them, really, to get it done when it comes down to you it. You don't – but if you look at it on paper, I don't know how you could pick anyone else. Right. You I could mean, make an argument there. for Florida. With They've the made it backs, twice. The, but. Yeah, the defense returning 10 starters and – Kirby Smart in his second year of being a hedge coach. You you would think of it, it's got a chance to all come together, but it's kind of like the reverse Alabama until you yeah. see it. I'm not they, really they, gonna... they always seem to make one, they have one week where it's right. like, what are you doing? You just wrecked it all. Right. You know, but by the same token, that was Mark Richt. Like, that hasn't been Kirby Smart. Right. Uh, and, and, like, Missouri fans are putting all this stock in. We have all these guys back on offense, so the offense is going to be, get better. The defense just has to be a little better. Mm-hmm. So, using that logic, Georgia's defense should be pretty good. Right. And all the offense has to do is be decent. And, look, I remember telling people that Georgia-Missouri game last year, my main thought coming out of that was I just watched the future of this league at quarterback because Drew Locke and Jacob Eason were so good that night. Yeah, first half Drew Locke. That's the (laughs) best Best game he's probably ever, or best it's half, the best half he's ever yeah. played. That the second half was like a whole different game, essentially yeah. it seemed like. But yeah, those guys. I mean, they can just make throws that a lot of quarterbacks, humans, right. can't like, make. Like I mean, Barrett said, the, the Missouri fans focus on that fourth down and how it was terrible defense and all that. Mm-hmm. He still had to make an unbelievable throw. Right. He had about two and a half feet to fit that ball. Right. Ariel Pinton in the coverage there. Yeah. Pinton. Yeah. So, I and mean, he got it right. Easton just dropped it right, right over his yeah. head, and, and McKenzie, you know, made a nice catch. But East, I go, yeah, I go Georgia, Florida. Mm-hmm. I I actually was, I had a toss-up kind of between Kentucky and Florida at the beginning, but now Kentucky's lost two starters. Right. I don't really know who they're replacing them with. I guess I'd still say I think Kentucky's third. And then I go between fourth and fifth. I kind of go with Missouri or South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, like, I understand that's probably – it's a homer pick in that I know about Missouri. I know who Missouri's replacing guys with. I don't know these other teams like I do Missouri. So they may have a bunch of dudes I don't know about. But, like, I look at that game and go, I think the winner of that game's fourth, the loser is fifth. And then, I, like, I don't know, Tennessee and Vandy – like, if I don't have faith in A&M, boy, I really don't have any (laughs) faith in Butch Jones. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, they lost the quarterback, I know. They're trying to replace they, him they with They lost a, Jalen Hurd. They lost Derek Barnett. Yeah. They, they lost everything. Yeah, they, I mean, it's going to be – I know and, uh, our our esteemed colleague, Dave Matter, picked them – what did he pick? Six, six I believe. And yeah. caught, 
hell Vol, on Twitter. Vol Nation does not like Dave Matter. And <laughs> if they have any idea who I am, they don't like me by now either. I mean, I, I think Tennessee gets to the end of this year with a life championship, 25 more five-star hearts, and a coaching search. Yeah, it could be. I mean, but, it, the, they recruit so well every year, it seems like. They're always in the top, but, what, 15? Well, I here's guess. where I wonder, again, about recruiting rankings, though. Do they recruit that well, or do they recruit that well in part because they're Tennessee and, and we think they recruit that right. well? Yeah, they're, they're, their recruits get a little bump maybe. or Yeah, and, and Tennessee is it, – it's like uh, A&M except even more so. Like I, I was on radio in Knoxville earlier this summer, and I said they have unrealistic expectations. And the guy said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, would you be good with 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three every year? Of course not. Right. Well, dude – let, let's go through their schedule. I mean, Georgia Tech, they probably win that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Indiana State, they win. At Florida, that's tough. UMass, they'll win. They got Georgia at home. We talked about Georgia. South Carolina at home. They're at Alabama because the dumbest thing about the SEC is Tennessee has fought to be able to play Alabama right. every year. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, I don't get that. They're at Kentucky. Southern Miss at home. At Missouri. LSU at home. Vanderbilt at home. I mean, like, we're talking about Missouri. The reason we think they're going to be better than a lot of people is their schedule. Mm-hmm. Tennessee doesn't have that break. You get Alabama and LSU out of the West, right. and you're at Florida and at Kentucky. Yeah, it's, it's a tough haul. It's, uh, I mean, you're looking, I mean, missing a bowl is definitely not completely out of the realm of possibility with a schedule like that. And that's if that happens, then they're definitely in Tennessee looking for a new coach. Yeah, all right. So we're going to wrap this up. We'll run through, we'll just run through Missouri's schedule game by game. Missouri State wins. Right, win. Uh, uh, South Carolina. I'm going I'm, win. I'm saying win for now. I don't know if I'll feel that way when I make my actual prediction, but I'm saying win for now. Purdue, win. Win. Auburn, loss. Loss. At Kentucky, like if South Carolina is a swing game, this one is the one that takes yeah. you from, uh, look, if you win in Lexington, you're going to a bowl. Right. Uh, I've got Missouri winning that game, again, right now. That may be different in a month. Yeah, I was thinking win as well. Um, don't want to copy everything you pick, but yeah, yeah I go ahead. I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> always right. So. I was just, I mean, Kentucky's not like a tough place to play, and the right. I mean, it's that's a, that's a road game. If they if they've been playing well, if maybe it's a close loss to Auburn, and they're they've been playing well, then I can definitely see a win. If maybe they get curb stomped by Auburn, and they've but barely won some games before that. And yeah, Missouri's got a week off before that yeah, game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they got their last week off in uh, September. So you know, so we both got them four and one going to Georgia. That's a loss in my book. Yeah, I would say it's a loss too. But it seems like those games are always. It's not impossible. Close. Yeah, and you know. for whatever reason, they play fairly well down in Athens. It seemed like I think there was one game that got beat pretty good down there. But well, they got beat thirty-four nothing here once. I know yeah. that was dreadful. But it, you know, it's it's funny, and this game really illustrates it. Like this schedule, I look at, there are only probably one or two automatic wins. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure there's a game I look at and say there's no chance. Right, they just you know. don't match up or right. anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, all right, so we've got them 4-2 and two in the first half. Idaho is going to be a win for both of us. Yep. At UConn is, to me, a win, but I think it's going to be one of those games where mid-third quarter Missouri fans are going, what, what going in on? God's name are we doing? Like, you've just come off Kentucky and Georgia, kind of a breather against Idaho, but then you've got Florida, Tennessee, Vandy, Arkansas coming up. Like, that's the classic, we're not – 
really paying attention Trap to this game. game. We got to go all the way to East Hartford to play and this. Their fans have an right. SEC team coming in. Like, I don't know how many fans UConn gets, but they'll be excited. I have a buddy that graduated from school there, and supposedly they don't get many it's, for football. So. But I mean, it's like it, it's before basketball season starts, right. so they can't focus on that. You know, you might as well show up and get hammered and watch <laughs> your team play an SEC team. But but we both got them winning that game, so we've got them right now six and two going into the last four games of the year. Bowl game clinched. Florida here, like I don't think Florida's a great team, but I have that as a loss. Um, I'm gonna go win. I th- yeah, I just I mean I know. I'm trying to remember they're, they're replacing the quarterback at Florida again, if I remember right. With right. either Malik Zaire or Felipe something right, or other, yeah, I the, can't remember. The his last true one. freshman, maybe that yeah. was originally committed to LSU. Yeah. I mean, you know the defense is going to be good. It always is with Florida. They just got such great athletes on that side of the ball. They've had didn't they have to suspend like five guys for the first game? Uh, I mean, I won't that. last. Right. But, but when stuff like that starts to happen early on, you never know how it's going to feed into the season if they lose that game, that first game because of that. And then, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to win. All right. So I've got them six and three. Brian's got seven and two Tennessee here. Look, I've said it. I don't think Tennessee's any good. I think that will officially be the Saturday where Tennessee fans go. You lost to Missouri, pack your bags, get out. Don't coach the last two games. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'll take Missouri in that one. It's just Missouri's played well against Tennessee over the, since they've been in the SEC and coming to Columbia, I think Missouri will have that one. So at Vandy, and look, when when I do predictions, like, yeah, you can just go all chalk and go, hey, they'll, you know, but I went against it as far as the Kentucky game. At Vandy, I think, is a loss. Like, it's not a hard place to play. I think Vandy is good, not great. They're solid. I think Derek Mason's a good coach. Yeah, I I think they lose that game. Yeah, I think, I mean – like you said, it's it's even easier place to go on the road and play than probably Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but just I think Derek Mason's a better coach than the guy at Kentucky, Mr. Stoops. And I don't know, they just they seem to they seem to play Missouri tough. And yeah, I'll, I'll take Vanderbilt on that one. And then at uh, at Arkansas to end the season, and I had this one as a loss, not really because I think Arkansas is necessarily a better team. I think they're very similar teams talent wise. Mm-hmm. But I've got Missouri 7-4 and four going into that game. They're not really playing for anything. I think Arkansas could be playing for a bowl game and maybe Brett Bielema's job. I, I mean, I don't think he gets fired. I don't know. I think they like him down there. But I just think Arkansas has more to play for in that game. And, and I picked Arkansas, which puts Missouri 7-5. and five. Yeah, I was going to take Arkansas as well. But I had Missouri beating Florida, so 8-4 eight and, eight and four eight for four. me if I can do yeah. my math in my head. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean – that seems about right. Seven and five, eight and four. That's kind of right around where we think they'll be six and six. Yeah, I mean, o- over under six and a half. Yeah. So, which, yeah, you know, seven, seven and five to me, then you need to win a bowl game for it to ha- be right. a pretty good season. Eight and four, whatever. The bowl games just kind of go have fun. You've already mm-hmm. had a great year. We've talked about six and six. And seven and okay. five, eight and four. What kind of bowl are they looking at there then? I, I think they'd be in something like the Belk Bowl. Right. You know, kind of that lower part of that second tier of sec bowl what? games at uh, belk bowl uh liberty bowl is that one that just like got that. the new name with like something about lawn mowers no, and is no. that an sec game that was god what was that game? that was the uh the one that's in st <laughs> petersburg boy mower ba- yeah, something. The, yeah 
if I have to cover the bad boy mowers game, that's not going to work out. I'm going to cover that one from my couch. Uh, <laughs> we'll be well into basketball season by then. So, you know, obviously kind of big picture podcast. Wanted to have Barrett Salee on. I think he does a, a good job covering uh, the country, but especially the SEC. I, I mean, you listen to him. Look, he knows a lot more about 13 of these teams than we do. Oh, yeah. Uh, no question. So Missouri wraps up uh, fall camp. Did he have Missouri going 4-0 and in non-conference? Yeah, 4-8-0. 4-8. and Yeah. Um, and look, I, I'm going to be surprised. Like, if that comes true, and we talked about it, it's not outlandish. No. If that comes true, I'm not 100% sure Barry Odom's back next year. Yeah. 4-8. and eight. I mean, I don't AD know. didn't hire him. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's I, a lot I, that goes into that. I, I wouldn't want to be Barry Odom and go 4-8. and eight. That would yeah. be an uncomfortable couple of weeks, I think. Um, so, you know, there you go. We're on the record. It's, like, archivable. <laughs> we can all look like idiots. Uh, in My name's Pete Scandalberry. Just for everybody months. listening. <laughs> three months. Gabe DeArmond. I mean, Alex Schiffer and Brian Austin <laughs> here. Uh, but anyway, they wrap up fall camp um, this afternoon. Odom kind of made reference to the fact he might be ready to name a depth chart today, but I don't oh, really I, think we're going to get that. I saw you mentioned that on the, on the board, I think. Someone was yeah. asking about it, and you said Thursday, maybe. Well, well he was talking about Tuesday. Yeah, he was talking about uh, starting to really identify the first 11 and the next 11. And so I jokingly said after the interview was over, I said, is today the day you're going to run through all of that with us, or does that come some other time? He said, eh, we might be ready by Thursday. Thursday? And, yeah. you know, but, again, I don't really expect him to hand us a depth chart at practice. And it's going to change. I mean, even yeah. what he says game one is going to ch- right. change what, week The depth two, chart right? we like, get on Tuesday never means anything by right. Saturday. And it, it, just a kind of scheduling change so you guys know what to expect. Uh, the NCAA has mandated that players get a full day off every week. That day is Monday. And on that day, Missouri cannot require kids to do anything. Now, Missouri's media day has always been on Monday, but they can't require kids to show up for interviews. So media day now is going to be Tuesday. We're going to get uh, Heupel, Cross, and Odom at like 1130 or 12. And then we're going to get some players before practice and probably have to wait for some players till after practice. So it's going to be a long day, but... Everything. So basically what that will allow us to do Sunday and Monday is going to be a lot of looking back at last week. Right. And then Tuesday morning is when we'll kind of flip the switch and say, okay, get another game in four days and we'll look at that. Because Wednesday is the conference call, mm-hmm. SEC conference call. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice so, to give those kids a day off, I guess. They, I mean, <laughs> they work pretty hard. I mean, we could talk about whether Missouri's ever really required anyone to show up for <laughs> interviews or not, but that's another podcast. So uh, anyway, man. It's almost game week. It is, thankfully. Yeah. Let's go. We can uh, start stop talking about stupid stuff and start overanalyzing every snap here in just about nine days. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Gabe DeArmond, Brian Austin on the PowerMizzou.com podcast.